Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, getting you ready for the NFL Draft, which is set to begin April 23rd, Las Vegas, Nevada. The backdrop will be those Bellagio fountains, the iconic Bellagio fountains, one of the most famous spots on the entire Las Vegas Strip. The Bellagio fountains will actually be where the stage is set. Rumor has it, players will be brought in by boat to the stage once their name has been called. I can't wait for this draft just to see that. Getting you ready for the draft, this week we're going to take a look at the 115 underclassmen who have declared for the draft. 115 players, down 21 from the record-setting 136 players who entered the draft in 2018. Now, of these 115 players, 16 of them earned degrees without exhausting eligibility and opted to enter the pro ranks, and then the remaining 99 players foregone the remaining years of eligibility as underclassmen and have entered the draft. So we're going to take a look at all 115 players. I'll give you my thoughts on them, where I see them going in the draft as well. And then next week, we're going to take a look at all the postseason games. So we're going to talk about 39 bowl games, along with the national championship, which really was that exclamation point that we were all waiting for, for Joe Burrow. And then we'll take a look at all of the all-star games. So we're talking about the East-West Shrine Bowl, NFLPA game, Senior Bowl, Hula Bowl. We'll take a look at all of them. And now that we know everyone who's going to be entering the draft, it's time for my mock drafts. I don't like to put together a mock draft until I know exactly who's going to be in the draft so that we can go ahead and hit the ground running, not try to make any further projections. Let's go ahead and get real. Let's get serious and get ready for the draft. So we're going to be talking about those those mock drafts over the next couple of weeks, getting ready for the Combine, which will be at the end of February. So a lot to get into. We're going to go ahead and take a look at some of these players. Now, what we're going to do, I'm going to go position by position. We're going to take a look at each of these guys that are coming out and uh, just kind of talk about things from there. So the quarterback position is obviously the first one that we're going to talk about here. Five quarterbacks have decided to enter the draft, uh, foregoing their their remaining years of eligibility. Now, Jordan Love did earn his degree at Utah State, decided to enter the draft instead of uh, playing out his final year of eligibility there at Utah State. When you talk about the quarterback position, I I think with this year's draft, obviously Joe Burrow is the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall pick of the Cincinnati Bengals. Beyond him, in the senior class, you have Justin Herbert. Now, Justin Herbert... He's definitely a first-round pick, but I don't know that he's necessarily going to go off the board as high as a lot of people are, are, are thinking. You know, here's here's one of the things. Justin Herbert, you look at the completion percentage, and I think a little bit of that, of that is inflated because he, he throws a lot of screen passes, throws a lot of short passes. Um, you know, I, I think he really struggles with the intermediate game. You know, a lot of sailed passes, uh, and he's a tremendous athlete, don't get me wrong, has a big arm, but I, I think... Technically, you know, he does struggle sometimes with really those intermediate throws more than anything else. The deep balls, I think he drops the ball right into the bucket. Excellent ball placement there. But I think he's got some work to do with with some of his accuracy. I liken him a little bit more to a Josh Allen type. Big athlete. And look, Josh Allen, for as much as we beat him up over the percentage and everything else, he was still a top 10 pick when it when it was all said and done. So I think Justin Herbert probably going to go out, come off the board no later than 15 overall. You know, I think Justin Herbert's still going to be there, but it does open the door for some potential uh, underclassmen that could enter this draft. So because you look at the quarterbacks and, and they're really this draft is is lacking 
that superstar power at the senior at the senior level in those first two days. So a guy like Tua Tango Vailoa, it makes perfect sense for him to enter the the draft this year. Now, obviously, Tua is dealing with that hip injury. That's no joke. You know, you have to make sure that he's he's completely healthy. And all signs point to him making a full recovery. You know, and as long as that prognosis stands up, and we've got a lot of teams that are looking at quarterbacks in the top 10. You know, if you're the Miami Dolphins, if you're the Los Angeles Chargers, if you're the Carolina Panthers, you're taking notes. You want to find out, is that hip 100%? You're going to be taking a look and making sure that that prognosis matches up. Because if you if it does, then Tua Tango-Vailoa is absolutely going to be a top 10 pick. And I'd argue could very well be a top five pick. If I'm the Detroit Lions sitting at number three or the New York Giants sitting at number four, there's a good chance that there could be a trade partner and we could trade down and get some additional assets in the draft uh, upon doing so as well. So with Tua Tagovailoa, he has nothing else to prove at the collegiate level. National champion, Heisman runner-up. Also, there's the fear of, of the injury. And when you look at the injuries, you know it's not just the hip. You know, he's had high ankle sprains, both ankles, had to have surgery on both, uh, the, the tightrope surgery. And, you know, it's one of those things, really, when you watch Tua play, those injuries all happen outside the confines of the pocket. He was trying to buy time. He was rolling out, really getting towards the sideline. You know, when those two players from South Carolina fell on him, he was way outside the pocket when all of that went down. I look at Tua, I look at some of the skill set, and when you watch him throw the football, he throws his receivers open, he takes what the defense gives him, uh, the ball placement, not only does he throw them open, but he allows his receivers to make plays after the catch. I think that's huge. He, he sees the entire field, he goes through his progressions, uh, You know the deep ball accuracy, but the manipulation of the pocket reminds me a lot of Aaron Rodgers. He's able to make those subtle slides to his left or right, to buy time, keeping his eyes down the field as he you know, moves to his left, steps up, avoids pressure, and delivers a strike down the field, throwing his receiver open, allowing his receiver to make a play after the catch. I think what Tua has to do, he has to make sure that he he stays more within the pocket. Aaron Rodgers has made a pretty darn good living staying mostly within the pocket. You're not seeing him trying to get sideline to sideline. You're not seeing him taking off and running the football for 20-plus t- uh, carries in a game either. He's staying within the pocket. I think that's what Tua can do, and Tua can be very successful. You, know, you look at him, 71.4% passer in 2019 prior to the injury, a 69.3% completion percentage for his career, over 7,400 yards passing, 87 touchdowns, just 11 interceptions. Very, very accurate, very smart with the football. I think Tua, you know, this makes perfect sense to me. He's going to be the number two quarterback taken in this year's draft. So the question then becomes, who's going to be the number three quarterback? Is it going to be Justin Herbert? And I think a lot of people are, are looking at him as, the, as that potential number three quarterback. But I'll give you another name. Jordan Love out of Utah State. 6'4", 225-pound junior. Again, already received his degree there at Utah State. And, and Jordan Love, he, he, he has some work, uh, work to do. He has a little bit of work cut out for him. Uh, a season ago, 
you know, put up over 3,500 yards, 64% passer, 32 touchdowns, six interceptions, playing for Matt Wells, had, uh, you know, a lot of receivers, running backs, you know, had the likes of, of Ron Quavian Tarver, had a lot of receivers to throw to. I think, you know, he was missing his top four or five receivers along with, uh, you know, a running back. So that chemistry and his tight end, don't forget Dax Raymond, also entered the draft. So he had a lot of uh, new guys to throw to. That's one of the issues that Josh Allen ran into there at Wyoming. I look at jo- you know Jordan Love and you know accuracy questions coming into 2019. You know down to just 62 uh, percent, over 3,400 yards, with 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, and. I think about him, and he reminds me a lot of, of Daniel Jones from this perspective. Daniel Jones, I think, really, you know, the decision making was what was questionable. Throwing some some un, uh, un untimely interceptions, really losing sight of where he was on the on the football field, throwing across his body late, making some poor decisions, some poor reads, and yet it was the physical talents, you know. So what he had between his ears. And the not only those intangibles, but he had you know the physical skills to work with. I look at Jordan Love, and and he he's got the physical skill set. You know, I think he's he's a smart kid. Again, you know, already earned his degree. Um, and, and I think Jordan Love has that physical skill set. You know, he's at the Senior Bowl right now. Um, and depending on how he does there, there's a chance Jordan Love could be that guy to sneak ahead of, of Justin Herbert, just like Daniel Jones did with the Giants. Got there at number six. If you're if you're a team like the Chargers, you're going to take a look at this you know, long and hard and say, all right, am I going with Justin Herbert or do I take a chance and go after a guy like Jordan Love? And I think that, that's a big question to have, you know, especially you know you have a lot of veteran quarterbacks that are going to be out there. You could take a chance on taking one of those veteran quarterbacks and then bringing in Jordan Love after a year or two, um, allowing him to start. Philip Rivers, you know, he's moved out of San Diego. Doesn't really sound like he's going to be back in Los Angeles. Um, so it'd be the perfect time to draft a quarterback. And I think that's really going to be the the thing to watch. You know, Justin Herbert versus Jordan Love, especially at the Senior Bowl. Now the other quarterbacks that entered the draft, you know, you've got Jake Fromm out of out of Georgia, 6'2", 220 pounds, 63% completion percentage in his career, over 8200 yards, 78 touchdowns, just 18 interceptions. For me with him, it's the intangibles. It's what goes on between the ears. The pre-snap reads, you know, the the leadership abilities and, and honestly you know, he had a lot of young receivers to throw to. And so you, you saw him really more of a game manager than anything else, um, really allowing the running backs, you know, the stable of running backs that they've had since Jake Fromm has been there. Now, look, you've had guys like Justin Fields and, uh, um, and Jacob Eason, who's also under the draft, leave Georgia because of Jake Fromm, because of what he's been able to do. So yes, he doesn't have the physical talents that some of these other quarterbacks have. Yes, he doesn't have the big arm that some of these other quarterbacks have, but it's the intangibles. The chemistry that he started building with with George Pickens at the end of the year, the freshman that really, really picked things up. You know, he really made a statement in the bowl game, the the blowout win over Baylor, and we'll cover that uh, in next week's podcast. But that chemistry and his ability to to make plays down the field, that's going to be something that I think we're going to have to take a, lo- a long, hard look at. Um, he's not going to wow you again with with the physical talents, but I, I think Jake Fromm, he, you know, he's going to be a day two pick. He's going to get into probably a more favorable position, and it's going to be interesting to see. You know, he'll he'll probably sit for a couple of years, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Fromm at some point is going to be starting in the NFL. 
Uh, Jacob Eason, I mentioned him already, 6'6", 227-pound junior out of Washington. Uh, you know, everyone remembers he was at Georgia, you know, the, the freshman phenom there in, in 2016, 2017, he goes down to injury and, uh, really never was the same at Georgia. Jake Fromm took over, ended up transferring to Washington, moved home. And, uh, cause he's from the, the Seattle area, uh, 64% completion percentage over 3,100 yards, 23 touchdowns, eight interceptions. There's no doubt that Jacob Eason has a huge arm. You know, he makes some throws that you know very few quarterbacks, even in the NFL, you know, are, are able to make. But the issue with him is he's only got one speed. Everything is a fastball. And so with that, you know, he he doesn't put enough air under the football. Everything's gonna be a laser, everything's gonna be a gun. You know, he's gonna try to to throw the ball as hard as he can. He's gotta dial it back. He's gotta dial that back, show some touch. And that's really until Jacob Eason can develop that touch. I think he's going to be one of those quarterbacks that, uh, you know, there's there's going to be that, that huge question mark. He's got the big arm, but can he dial it back? You know, that's one of the things that I talked about with, with Drew Locke. And I'm glad that Drew Locke, you know, came back to Missouri and uh, you know, was able to work on some of that touch. I would have loved to have seen Jacob Eason go back to, to Washington for one more year, work on some of the touch. But look, Jacob Eason is going to be the number, you know, what, the number five quarterback number six at the at the worst he'll probably you know battle Jake Fromm to be the number five or number six quarterback he'll be a day two pick and uh, again he might go to a favorable situation but he you know you have to be patient with him he's got some some raw skills some raw ability there but uh, I think he's going to need a little bit more development and then there's the wild card Cole McDonald out of Hawaii the dreads I think that's what you're what everyone remembers you know, wearing the dreads in honor of Hawaii quarterback Bryant Manise, uh, 6'4", 220 pounds, over 4,100 yards passing this year, 63.8% completion percentage. Look, he has 70 touchdowns in his career, but 24 interceptions, including, you know, uh, 14 this past season. You know, and, and really, a lot of those interceptions were thrown at the beginning of the season. You know, he started off the uh, the year, very first game of the season, threw four interceptions, and, and Chevin Cordero, the freshman, ultimately had to relieve him of his duties. But since then, you know, he's really been on a tear. And you watch him, he has the arm strength, can throw the football down the field, can throw it a mile, and really effortlessly, very good athlete, can get outside the pocket. It's the decision-making. He's very inconsistent with his decision-making. What's he going to do with the football? Um, you know, throws into coverage, throws laid across his body over the middle, you know, a lot of bad decisions. Um, you know, I, I think he's he's probably ahead of the other senior quarterbacks, though, I think in terms of ability. Um, so there's a good chance he could end up being the number seven quarterback uh, when it's all said and done. I'll be curious to see how he performs at the combine and compare him with some of those senior quarterbacks. Um, you know, I, I don't know that he'll be a day two pick. I think we're probably looking at more of a, a day three selection, in my opinion. So when you look at last year's draft, uh, you know, Kyler Murray obviously went number one overall. Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins in round number one. Drew Locke going round two. Will Greer in round three. So you have five quarterbacks going in the first two days. Uh, when you look at at the year before that, you had the five uh, quarterbacks taken in round number one, uh, along with uh, Mason Rudolph taken in the third. So you're you're talking about five to six quarterbacks. So I think Jacob Beeson's probably the cutoff. After that, they're going to be you know some quarterbacks are going to be battling it out from there. Eleven quarterbacks taken in uh, in 2019, 2018. There were 13 quarterbacks. 2017, the year before that, just 10 quarterbacks. So 
I think this will be a year, you know, a lot of teams that are looking for quarterback help. I think we're going to see that number climb. But, uh, you know, guys like J- uh, James Morgan, I think they'll end up getting drafted late uh, on, on day three, the, the Florida International quarterback. You know, I thought he played really well in the East-West Shrine Bowl. And he's, he's one of those quarterbacks who I think could get a shot at the next level. Um, but that's a quarterback position. I think that's what we have stacked up. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. So we're going to move on to the running backs. Now we had 19 running backs declare for the draft. So when you put that into perspective in, in terms of what that means for the draft overall, we had 25 running backs drafted in all of 2019. 2018, when you're looking at the numbers, 21 running backs drafted. 2017, the year before that, well, that was the year that we ended up having 30 running backs taken. And I think you're watching you know, an evolution of sorts in the game with the running back position. Is it valuable? Is it not valuable? You look at the teams that are in the Super Bowl, you know, the teams that were in the conference championship, you know, the Titans with Derrick Henry, the 49ers with, with their stable of backs, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breda, and Raheem Mostert, um, you know, and obviously the you know Green Bay Packers with Aaron Jones and, and Jamal Williams and Damian Williams there with uh, with Kansas City, you know, there there are a lot of running backs that, you know, showing not only catching the football out of the backfield, but they can also run the ball between the tackles and out on the perimeter. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of a renaissance of sorts, you know, at the running back position, but 19 underclassmen, um, you know, I, I think they got their work cut out for them. I think there are some good senior running backs in there as well. So let's dive into this running back class and take a look at things. Uh, Salvan Ahmed, you know, there at Washington, 5'11", 196 pounds. The junior went over 1,000 yards this season in just 12 games, 11 touchdowns, has 50 receptions in his career. Uh, one of those speed guys getting out on the outside, um, a guy who can be dynamic in space. Um, kind of surprised that he entered, uh, ended up entering the draft. I think Chris Peterson leaving probably had a lot to do with that. Um, you know, obviously Miles Gaskin last year ended the draft early, uh, got a little bit of playing time uh, this year. So there, there's a chance that Salvin Ahmed can end up, you know, making a roster because he has the athleticism. But uh, I, again, you know, just looking at the talent, he may be one of those running backs on the outside looking in when it's all said and done. Cam Akers, Florida State, 5'11", 202 pounds. The junior burst onto the scene as a freshman phenom in 2017, over 1,000 yards rushing, seven touchdowns, 5.3 yards per carry, 16 receptions as well for another 116 yards and a score. Everyone was talking about Cam Akers as the next great running back. Then 2018 happened. Uh, you know, Willie Taggart and company really struggled in 12 games, just 706 uh, yards on the ground, 23 receptions though. But one of the things that I thought really he really struggled with was his his vision, his field vision. I, you know, I thought the cutback lanes he just wasn't seeing those. You know, he he had cutback lanes back to the inside, and rather than doing that, he kept looking to bounce things outside. And I don't know if there was just a lack of trust in his offensive line because they did struggle, um, but. 2018 seems to be more of an anomaly because he was really back to his his uh, 2017 self as a junior this past season. Over 1,100 yards on the ground, five yards per carry, 14 touchdowns, 30 receptions as well. Uh, you know, a guy who has that nice blend of power and speed. I think he's going to be a day two running back. You know, I, I you know I, he's in that crop. You know, right below 
you know, the top five running backs. We're going to talk about those top fives as we top five backs as we get through uh, these underclassmen. But I think Cam Akers is going to be one of those backs that teams are going to be talking about there in the second to third round range and uh, can jump on him and end up getting a really nice back out of it. Eno Benjamin, Arizona State, 5'10 and 210 pounds. The junior really had a breakout 2018 season as a sophomore, 300 carries, 1,642 yards, 16 touchdowns, 35 receptions as well. He's got 82 receptions in his career. This past season, you know, not quite hitting the mark that, that he wanted to hit. Still over 1,000 yards, played in 12 games, 10 touchdowns, have 42 receptions, shows really soft hands. One of the things that I really like about Eno Benjamin as well is he's so difficult to bring down. Runs through contact. He has this spin move, kind of reminds you of, of Ladanian Tomlinson. It's kind of hard to, to tackle that, that moving target that's spinning like that, and he does a really good job stepping out of tackles. Um, but here's the issue for me with Eno Benjamin. It's it's the fumbles. And, you know, he he fumbled, uh, really didn't have a fumble issue until until his junior season. Uh, had six fumbles, lost four of those fumbles. So in 2018, 2019, had seven total fumbles, four lost, you know, in 35 games. He's got to make sure that he can hold on to that football. Ball security is is really one of those keys. You know, that's why everyone fell in love with Kareem Hump when he was coming out of Toledo. This was a guy who had all those touches with the Rockets and didn't cough up the football. You know, and, and so that's one of the things, especially with Eno Benjamin spinning out of tackles, fighting for extra yards, he's gonna have to show that he can hold on to that football to really make a difference. I think he'll end up being a you know a late day two, probably early day three guy, fourth round feels about right for him. Um, you know, and I think a team will get a back who, you know, can run hard, but he can be a, a three down back because he has those soft hands. Uh, DJ Dallas out of Miami, uh, 5'10", 214 pound junior power back over 1500 yards in his career, 17 touchdowns, has 28 receptions as well. Played in just 10 games. You know, a guy who I think has battled some injuries. Um, again, another physical change of pace type of a back. You know, a guy who's going to run between the tackles. Um, not overly shifty. I think there's some stiffness in his hips. Did uh, finish his career with a 5.8 yards per carry. Um, I think DJ Dallas probably, you know, has a chance to be drafted. It'll probably be late on day three. Um, just because I think there are a lot of you know tremendous athletes that are out there, guys who can also run between the tackles that uh, have more of a burst than, than DJ Dallas does. Um, I, I think Derrick Henry and what he's done. You know, this is such a copycat league. You know, the teams are going to be looking at looking for the next Derrick Henry, and who could that be? Well, AJ Dillon of Boston College is six feet, two hundred and fifty pounds. And they say he runs a 4-4-40. We'll get to see that at the Combine, end of February. I think all eyes will be on A.J. Dillon for that. He'll be in the first running back group that runs the 40. So really want to see what he can do. Now look, he burst onto the scene as a freshman. Over 1,500 yards on the ground, 14 touchdowns, uh, you know, 5.3 yards per carry. You know, Three years, over 1,000 yards. Uh, most productive year actually was as a junior. Uh, over 1,600 yards on the ground, another 14 touchdowns, just 21 receptions in his career. So not much of a guy who's going to catch the football out of the backfield, really wasn't asked to do so, didn't need to. Um, But a guy who really battled a a high ankle sprain as a sophomore, I think that's really where he kind of fell off. People weren't talking about him as much. Um, You know, and, and this season... 
um, you know, even though he was sharing the backfield with uh, the, the freshman David Bailey, um, you know, still had 318 carries, 845 carries in his career with the the Eagles there. So obviously there is some wear on those legs. Um, you know, a guy who you know fumbled the ball eight times in 35 games, lost two of those fumbles. So another guy, you know, if you're a big back like that, they're expecting you to run through contact. They're expecting you to fight for extra yards, but you got to hold on to the football. So ball security, another worry there. Some durability concerns as well, but definitely a guy to keep an eye out for probably in those mid-rounds for a team that's looking to try to catch lightning in a bottle and get the next Derrick Henry. Which leads us to, I think, my number one running back in this year's draft class, J.K. Dobbins, uh, the 5'10", 217-pound Ohio State Buckeye, the junior. You know, if you talk to my wife, you know, it feels like a you know character from from Lord of the Rings. Uh, you know, she talks about J.K. Dobbins um, every time his name was was announced. It was it was pretty funny, but uh, you know, this is a guy. Three straight seasons, over a thousand yards at Ohio State. The first running back to do so since Archie Griffin actually went over two thousand yards as a junior. Uh, Twenty-one touchdowns this past season, seventy-one receptions as well. This is a guy, uh, you know. I think the vision you absolutely see that the cutback lanes, you know. He, but here's the thing: not only does he have the vision, but this year he really put everything together in terms of his patience, allowing those blocks to set up, and then being able to. Uh, you know, cut off of those blocks, the acceleration, he gets the full speed in a hurry and he has that breakaway speed, breakaway speed that I don't think we really were expecting. I thought he was quicker than fast, the lateral agility, the jump cuts, being able to make guys miss in space, but he actually showed that he could run away from defenders and then in the passing game, soft, soft hands. And then he's also a really good pass protector as well. To me, J.K. Dobbins is the most complete running back in this year's draft. And uh, for that, I think he's going to end up being the number one running back taken and has a good chance to end up being a first-round pick. Now, he's played in 42 games, five fumbles, four of those lost. So, you know, ball concern, you know, ball security, you know, really, you know, if he's if he's going to fumble the football, you know, it, it's ultimately going to end, you know, result in a turnover. Um, you know, and when you talk about it, you put things into perspective. That's 42 games and just five fumbles in those games. And when you talk about it, if you want to take it even a step further, Uh, You know, 796 touches and just five fumbles. So, you know, you do have to put some of those things into perspective. But at the end of the day, you know, if fumbles start accumulating, you know, you you don't want to end up being the next Cleveland Gary, a guy who was a tremendous back, but a guy who basically you know fumbled his way out of the league. Uh, But I think J.K. Dobbins is is a, a special talent, a guy who could end up being, like I said, a first round pick. Which leads me to another one of my favorite running backs. I think probably the number five running back in this year's draft class. That's Clyde Edwards-Alaire. 5'8", 209-pound LSU Tiger, the national champion junior. uh, Over 1,400 yards this year on just uh, 215 carries. That's 6.6 yards per carry. 66, I'm sorry, 16 touchdowns, 55 receptions for over 450 yards. You know, this is a guy to me who is just a bowling ball just to, you know bounces off a of contact uh, you know a guy who in space can make you miss has the jump cut ability quick acceleration excellent vision and then the hands this is a guy who had 10 receptions in a game um, you know just a tremendous you know not only a, you know a catcher of the football you know he's, he's a natural pass catcher really soft hands but he runs really good routes the angle routes you know, his ability you know a knack for finding holes in the zone um, you know I, I think 
you know, Clyde Edwards Alaire is a guy who, you know, if teams are looking for, and I think they are, you know, he could be the next Darren Sproles. Um, I think I've, I've heard comparisons to MJD, although he's not quite as big as MJD, but he's just a little bowling ball, a guy who has tremendous balance um, after contact. That contact balance is something that, that you know, really can't be overlooked. Um, I, I think he's definitely going to be a, a day two pick and a guy who can really contribute right away. Darrington Evans of Appalachian State, one of those guys I was flying under the radar, uh, 5'11", 200 pounds, uh, the junior back-to-back, 1,000-yard seasons uh, for the Mountaineers, 18 touchdowns this past season, 39 receptions. You know, he's, he's improved on the number of receptions each and every year. And, and look, for Darrington Evans, you know, it, it's, it's all about speed. You know, this is a guy who can get to the outside. I love his vision, his ability to, to see the, the cutback lanes. Um, you know, just really a, a tremendous athlete. And I really want to see what he can do at the combine. Uh, I want to see him, you know, really show off some of those, uh, the, the lateral agility, his, his speed, his acceleration, um, you know, and I want to see, you know, see him really work on, on those hands and, and really showcasing that because I, I think Darrington Evans is one of those guys who can end up being a back who can contribute at the next level. He's going to be a day three pick. He'll probably fall to the fifth or sixth round just because of the depth of the draft class, but I wouldn't sleep on Darrington Evans. So that takes us to Pete Guerrero uh, of Monmouth, 5'10", 190 pounds, the junior. I'll be honest, I haven't seen this kid play. Um, but let's see, over 3,900 yards, just under 4,000 yards for his career in 34 games. Um, 1,995 yards, you know, that 18 touchdowns um, that led uh, FCS. Uh, also had you know 69 receptions in his career. I'm going to do a little bit more studying uh, of uh you know, of Pete to really get a better feel for him as a back. Um, you know, he's the, the FCS running back in this draft class. We always see one that ends up entering the draft after a, a tremendous season. And, and I think the the numbers obviously are going to be eye-popping, but I, I think teams are going to be coming back and taking a look at uh, some of the game film to really get a better feel for uh, for him. And really the, the big question too is get him to the combine, see what type of an athlete he is, but uh, you can't sleep on that type of production. Tony Jones, Jr., Notre Dame, 5'11", 224 pounds, the bruising running back, a guy who's going to pound the ball between the tackles, uh, just under uh, 1,500 yards in his career, 27 touchdowns. Uh, He's a guy who's earned his degree there for the Irish, decided that he wanted to go ahead and enter the draft. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a pounder, you know, a guy who's going to pound the ball between the tackles. Um, like I said, just under t- uh, 230 pounds, uh, really a change of pace type of guy. Not somebody who is, is very dynamic in the passing game, uh, decent pass protector. Um, but I just don't see him being a three down back. And so I think that's going to limit him. Um, you know, if he's going to get drafted, it's going to be late on day three could potentially be a priority free agent. Which takes us to Javon Leak out of Maryland, six foot, two hundred and six pounds, junior. You know, if you just look at the numbers, you're like, wow, just 102 carries this year, 736 yards, eight touchdowns, just nine receptions. Um, you know, this is a guy who, you know, he, I, I like some of his game. I, I think he's one of those sleeper running backs. You know, he reminds me a lot of, of Tony Pollard at, at Memphis because Daryl Henderson got more of the talk, more of the hype uh, with the Tigers. 
he got drafted early, you know, to the Rams, and then Tony Pollard got drafted uh, around later. And really, right now, Tony Pollard is thriving in the Cowboys system, whereas Daryl Henderson's, you know, struggling to get things going. So there is a chance that, you know, I know that Javon Leak will probably get drafted after Anthony McFarland. But uh, I think there's a chance that, you know, his ceiling may be a little bit higher. Now, speaking of Anthony McFarland, 5'9", 198 pounds, the redshirt sophomore, just two years with the Terrapins, over 1,000 yards as a freshman. Um, what's crazy is he only has 24 receptions in his career for a guy uh, who can be dynamic in space. Um, you know, just 1,648 yards, um, just 614 yards this past season in 11 games. Um, can be dynamic out on out on the outside. Um, you know, this was a team that you know, was so explosive initially, and then ultimately struggled down the stretch, really putting anything together. Offensive line uh, issues as well. Uh, both he and uh, Javon Leak. Uh, squat 450 pounds that lower body strength they run through contact you know just 198 pounds at five foot nine low center of gravity but really uh, able to to run through that contact um you know he's one of those guys it'll be interesting i think they'll both end up being day three picks um i think mcfarlane will probably get drafted first but again don't sleep on javon leak uh deshaun mcleese virginia tech 5'9, 190 pounds uh, over 1,800 yards in his career there for the Hokies. 12 touchdowns, 28 receptions. Um, you know, this is a guy to me. You know, never really eye-popping numbers. Just 4.7 yards per carry. Uh, you know, but a guy who, again, another one with another guy with uh, you know a, a low center of gravity, good balance, runs through some contact as well. Um, you know, I, I think he he's one of those guys who's really going to have to shine. To really step things up, so that's really going to be one of the big questions for him. Um, you know, I'm not really sure if Deshaun McLeese, you know, is going to be drafted. Um, you know, I think he'll probably end up being a priority free agent again with the with the talent in this year's draft class. You know, he's one of those guys who I think is going to fall through the cracks, uh, which takes us to DeAndre Swift, five nine, two hundred fifteen pounds, the junior out of Georgia. There's no worries about him getting drafted. Um, I think he'll be drafted early. He has a chance to be a first rounder. Um, I think he's one of the more polished backs in this year's draft. Back to back thousand yard seasons, seventy three receptions in his career as well. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys. There's not a whole lot of wear on his on his legs. You know, he, he in his three years with with the Bulldogs, never had more than than two hundred carries uh, in any given season. Sharing the backfield with uh, Nick Chubb and Elijah Holyfield. And, you know, this past season with Brian Herrian and uh, Zamir White and, and James Cook didn't really have to worry about a lot of that wear. And that really impacts some of the numbers. And the fact that he was sharing in the backfield and still back to back thousand yard season, 6.6 yards per carry in his career as well. Um, dynamic in space. Uh, the quick acceleration, I think the vision, you know, when he's in, in the open field, he's a special back, has the speed to go the distance, and uh, soft hands in, in the receiving game. I think that's one of the things that definitely jumps out on the tape for you as well. Um, I, I think, you know, DeAndre Swift right now, to me, I've got him penciled in as my my number two running back uh, behind uh, J.K. Dobbins, at least for the moment. J.J. Taylor out of Arizona, 5'6", 185 pounds, the junior, the diminutive one. And, uh, you know, he's, he's one of those guys who, you know, has battled some injuries. 
um, over 1,400 yards as a sophomore in, in 2018. Um, you know, this past season, just 721 yards, really a, a, an offense that struggled to get things going, has 62 receptions in his career. He's going to have to showcase his versatility. He's just five foot six. But here's the thing. Guys like Tariq Cohen have shown that these smaller backs still have a home at the next level. They still have some value, but he's going to have to show showcase that he can be a pass catcher, that he can be one of those dynamic weapons. Tariq Cohen has been able to pay that off in a big way for the Bears. You know, I just don't know again, you know, JJ Taylor, is he going to be able to outshine some of these guys um in this running back class? You know, I, I just I don't know right now um if that's going to happen. Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, 5'11, 219 pounds. Look, the junior, you know, I, I think he was sixth in the Heisman voting in 2019, two-time Doak Walker Award finalist, uh, over six thousand yards. On the ground, 6,174 6, to be exact, uh, you know, fell just 23 yards shy of having three consecutive 2,000-yard seasons. Only he and Troy Davis of Iowa State back in the 90s ran for 2,000 yards in back-to-back seasons. 50 touchdowns in his career. Now, look, he only had 16 receptions coming into the season. You wanted to see, can he catch the ball out of the backfield? And, you know, he's improved. I think he still has a long way to go. 26 receptions, but you saw a lot of drops, especially, you know, if you're watching the Rose Bowl, had a couple of drops there, some easy drops, should have been able to hold on to the football. And then, you know, my biggest concern for, for Jonathan Taylor is ball security. 18 fumbles, 15 lost. Um, you know, in, in 41 games and, and you look at it, you know, he was a workhorse. You know, I, I think that's the other thing. Some of the wear on his legs, you know, 968 touches total in his career. You know, that's going to be a concern, but, but the ball security is the bigger concern for me. You watch the Rose Bowl, you watch him fighting for extra yards and Troy Dye ripped the ball out of there. Like it was nothing. Like it, it was so easy for him to pull the ball free. That's a huge concern. It should not be that easy to pull the football away from a guy who could potentially be a first-round pick. That's really concerning. That said, Jonathan Taylor has that that perfect blend of a power and speed. The acceleration, he gets to full speed in a couple of steps. We said that about J.K. Dobbins. He's been my number one running back for a while, but the more I think about it, there are those concerns that some of the other running backs just don't have at this point. Um, but man, you know, he's a 10-400 meter guy. Uh, the long speed, I think he's got some of the agility as well between the tackles, the vision. And look, with Wisconsin and their, their blocking scheme, you know it allows him to really be patient to set up his blocks. Um, he's one of the more patient running backs in this year's draft class. Uh, I still think he's going to be a day two guy, but I think you know there are some concerns that are going to keep him from being drafted in round number one. Michael Warren, the second out of Cincinnati, 5'11", 222 pounds. They call him the truck. And there's a reason for that. Um, if you watched last year's game against UCLA, you know he got into the goal line and the Bruins just could not stop him. It was, uh, you know, Bearcats ended up upending the Bruins in that game, and you know he, he went on his way to, you know, rush for over 1,300 yards, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, 1,265 yards this past season, uh, 34 touchdowns in his career, 51 receptions as well. He's a bruiser, man. He's going to pound the ball between the tackles, has a little bit of a burst, but he's not going to run away from you. Um, But he's one of those guys who just wears defenses down, gets better as the game goes along. He's not as tall as Derrick Henry, but he's one of those guys, you know, just like Derrick Henry, he's going to wear you down. He's going to just continue to pound the ball and pound the ball and pound the ball until you're going to, you know, give in. Uh, You know, in 38 games, 
just three fumbles, and those were all in 2018. Did not fumble once in 2019 on 282 total touches. Um, so for me, I look at Michael Warren. He's a top 10 running back for me. I think he'll probably end up getting drafted probably in the fourth, fifth round range, but a guy who I think can end up making an NFL roster and uh, you know can end up getting some playing time early on. Tyson Williams, uh, six foot, 220 pounds there for BYU. Uh, this is a guy who had a year of eligibility. Um, you know, he started his career with the Tar Heels, moved to, to South Carolina and the Gamecocks, finished his career out with BYU and, and a guy who's just battled injuries, you know, three, uh, out of his four seasons playing at, uh, the FBS level and this past season, just four games played before he went down to a knee injury. Um, he's one of those guys. He was very exciting. He was one of those. He looked like playing for BYU. He finally had things going, running with some power, showed some acceleration on the outside. And then the injury bug hit him again. He's one of those guys, you know, just from a durability concern. I think that's a huge red flag. And then Torin Young out of Iowa, 5'11", 223 pounds. He was the bruiser of the running backs that you had there. You know, Tyler Goodson was a guy who had tremendous speed. Uh, you had Makai Sargent, and then there was Torin Young. Uh, just 1,200 yards on the ground, eight touchdowns in his career, just nine receptions. Um, if teams are looking for a guy who's going to run the ball hard between the tackles, you know, he could potentially convert to a fullback. If teams are looking for guys who can be a lead blocker, that could potentially be Torin Young. But I think that's probably the the extent of um, what teams are going to expect him to do at the next level. I just I, I don't see him being a, a draftable prospect at this point. Which leads us to the wide receiver position. And I'll tell you what, this wide receiver class can be special. And, and it's one of those things, you look at the depth, there's just so much depth at every level of this draft class. It reminds you of that 2014 draft class, Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Cooks, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, all taken in round number one, Marquise Lee, Jordan Matthews, uh, Paul Richardson, Devontae Adams, Gosh, he was taken with the 21st overall pick in the second round. Wow. Uh, Jarvis Landry taken towards the end of round number two. Uh, just so many wide receivers in that draft class. You know, and it was really heavy at the top with a lot of those those receivers. And, uh, you know, we'll get into some of the talent that's coming out and entering the draft. Um, man. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. We had 28 receivers taken in last year's draft. Obviously, Marquise Brown, Debo Samuel, uh, AJ Brown, Mecole Hardman, all playing. Obviously, DK Metcalf. Gosh, DK, DK Metcalf fell to number 64 overall. You had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight receivers taken before DJ DK Metcalf, and he's been a beast for Seattle. Two more receivers taken in before Terry McLaurin came off the board. Uh, so 28 receivers taken. If you look at 2018, uh, you had 33 receivers taken. Let's see, 2017, the year before that, 32. Now you talk about the 2014 draft class. How many receivers were, were taken there? Well, you had 33 receivers taken. And then after a draft class like that, you had another 35. So just giving you an idea there, you know, what some of those numbers are going to look like as we enter the 2020 draft. You had 22 receivers entering the draft. And, you know, that's not including some of these these special senior receivers, the Michael Pittmans, the, you know, James Prochets. The, uh, you know, K.J. Hill, who's played really well so far at the, the Senior Bowl. There are going to be a lot of, you know, Colin Johnson, Devin Duvernay, a lot of names, Tyler Johnson, uh, that we're going to be talking about. 
So we jump into this draft class, and you look at Lynn Bowden Jr., 6'1", 199 pounds, out of Kentucky, the junior. Man, this was a kid, you know, just 1,300 yards receiving in his career, but what makes him so special was his his versatility. You know, this is a guy who can, you know, dabbled in, in kick returns, uh, both kick and punt returns, had uh, two punts returned for touchdown his sophomore season. But this past season, you know, you had all the injuries to the quarterback position, ends up stepping in, taking on the quarterback role, just completed 47% uh, of his passes. But, you know, he rushed for over 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, uh, you know, and had 30 receptions before he took over at the at the quarterback position. His versatility, uh, his explosiveness, I, I think those are things that, you know, teams are going to look at. You know, I, I think when you look at the success of, of uh, Lamar Jackson, you look at the success of, of uh, Taysom Hill, you know, teams are going to be looking for guys who can do a little bit of everything, you know, who can catch teams off guard. And I think Lynn Bowden can be that type of player. Um, I, I think with this draft class, you know, he could be a late day, you know, a late uh, day two pick, early day three pick. Could be one of those developmental guys that comes off the board in round number four. Uh, Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin. Now, this was a kid who was kicked off the team and expelled. You know, he, he had the issues with, uh, you know, sexual assault charge. And uh, ultimately, those charges were dropped. He was found innocent of those charges. He was reinstated at the school and also reinstated to the football team. You know, a kid who was really you know fighting to get back out on the football field and ultimately was exonerated, and uh, had a tremendous year. You know, 59 catches, 901 yards, seven touchdowns. And look, he wasn't really asked to be that dynamic receiver uh, all that often. Because you had Jonathan Taylor running the ball between the tackles, Jack Conan developing quarterback. But I'll tell you what, he was the one receiver that really was explosive on the outside. And there wasn't a corner that Wisconsin went up against that could really cover him vertically. You know, he, he's a has has decent size. Yeah, you know, and I, I think what he does is he wins at the line of scrimmage. He, he fights through the jam really well. Uses his hands to get off of that and uh, gets vertical. And once he has a step or two on you, he does a really good job tracking the ball in the air. Excellent hands. Quintez Cephas is going to be one of those sneaky, sneaky receivers that people aren't talking about because of the depth of this receiver class. You know, he's one of those guys that you'd love to say, yeah, he's going to come off the board in round number three. He'll probably be a, an early day three pick, but I think teams will be really happy with Quintez Cephas. Isaiah Coulter out of Rhode Island. Now, if you haven't already noticed, we're going alphabetically. So, you know, some of these guys, you know, as we're looking at it, they're not the the household names. Uh, we're going alphabetically. Uh, Isaiah Coulter out of Rhode Island, 6'3", 190 pounds. Uh, the junior, over 1,000 yards this past season, 72 catches, um, 14.4 yards per reception, eight touchdowns. Uh, he's going to be one of those guys who – He's going to have to rely on his individual workout and really show that he can stand out if he's going to want to be drafted. Gabriel Davis, UCF. Here's an intriguing prospect. He's 6'3", 212 pounds. Uh, the, the junior uh, set the UCF record um, with over 1,241 yards and 12 touchdowns at 17.2 yards per reception. An absolute beast down the field. Wins those 50-50 balls. Um, really good athleticism. And, uh, you know, he attacks the ball at its highest point, you know, it, it, just very, very strong hands at the catch point. And, uh, you know, someone, like I said, he can get vertical. And I look at him as a potential second round pick. 
You know, I, I look at him. He reminds me a lot of, of Michael Pittman Jr. They do a lot of the same things. They can get vertical on you. Um, I think they'll both end up being you know possession receivers, guys who you know excel at the back shoulder, throw the 50-50 balls. Uh, you know, but Gabriel Davis, I would have loved to have seen him come back to UCF for one more year, play with Dylan Gabriel, and potentially be one of those top two or three receivers in next year's draft. But uh, that said, I still think he'll be a, a, a second rounder when it's all said and done. Kyle Davis, Florida Atlantic, 6'2", 219 pounds, the junior, kicked off Auburn for violating team rules. Uh, went to FAU. They signed him in 2018. Entered the transfer portal. He's now in, in the draft. Um, you know, and uh, you know, just 19 catches in his in his career. I think he's going to look to try to get a, a workout in with with one of the teams. I just don't see him being a, uh, a draft eligible prospect. Is he going to be a free agent signed with the team? They may bring him in um, you know, and at least get a look. Courtney Davis. Uh, another receiver who, uh, well, I should say another underclassman who uh, got his degree uh, there at Texas A&M, decided to enter the draft, 6'2", 200 pounds, um, really good route runner. You know, I think that's one of the things that I think of with Courtney Davis, not a guy who really stands out, uh, 99 receptions in his career, just you know, 1,201 yards, 11 touchdowns, got a little bit of a burst to him. I think you know, he, he sinks his hips pretty well in and out of his breaks. Um, I think that's really the suddenness with it, with the break, uh, with his breaks, is kind of what stands out to me. Um, I think he'll probably end up being a late day three pick, though. KJ Hamler, Penn State, 5'9", 176 pounds, redshirt sophomore. I think this dude is going to blow things up in the slot. He's he's proven at Penn State that he can be a vertical threat on the outside. But man, you put him in the slot and let him just do his thing. Uh, you know, I, I think he's very explosive. He's he's on the on the small side, so he's one of those guys who can get rerouted. Um, you know, that's why, you know, he's going to really have to, to work off of, off of press coverage so that he can, you know, that he can win at the line of scrimmage, but man, uh, 16.1 yards per reception, eight touchdowns, a guy who can just get vertical on you. Um, he's somebody who I think is going to be a, a second round pick and because of that explosive. I really want to see what he runs at the combine. You know, I, I think because of that, he can end up moving his name above some of these other guys, uh, when it's all said and done. T. Higgins, Clemson, 6'4", 215 pounds, the junior, uh, went over 1,000 yards this year, 1,167 yards, 13 touchdowns, uh, 19.8 yards per, per reception, a downfield threat, a guy who, again, wins those 50-50 balls, not afraid to go over the middle, excellent catch radius, a flair for the acrobatic as well, um, but man, he struggles to separate. You know, I, I think in the national title game going up against LSU, obviously they, they you know, those uh, LSU corners, uh, Christian Fulton and, and Derek Stingley really played with a lot of outside leverage, and uh, it was one of those things where Higgins just, you know, early on got that uh, that play up the seam, thought he was going to have a huge game, ultimately finished the game with just two receptions, struggled to separate, and that's really going to be the big knock for him. Is, is he going to, you know, I think he'll be a possession guy, and I think some of these more explosive receivers are probably going to move up the board ahead of him. Still think he'll probably end up being a first-round pick. I just don't think he's going to go as high as some. I'm not as high on T. Higgins as, as some other people are. Isaiah Hodgins, a 6'4", 209-pound receiver out of Oregon State, the junior with the Beavers, uh, over 1,000 yards receiving, 86 catches, 1,171 yards, 13 touchdowns, was Jake Luton's uh, favorite target. You know, he's a big kid you know, and one of those guys who I think struggles at times to get in and out of his breaks. Um, I think he has a tremendous catch radius, though, a guy who can be a weapon over the middle, down the field, in the red zone. Um, so I, I think Isaiah Hodges is going to be a, a day three guy, but I think he'll get drafted. 
Trishan, uh, Tristan Jackson out of Syracuse, 6'1", 191 pounds. Another guy who can get vertical on you. Started his career at Miss, uh, Michigan State before transferring to Syracuse uh, prior to the 2018 season. Went over 1,000 yards this year at Syracuse. And uh, 11 touchdowns, uh, catching the passes from Tommy DeVito was his number one target. And he, he's one of those guys, I think he can be a dynamic run, uh, dynamic receiver. Would have loved to have seen him come back for one more year. You know, he was in, you know, he's been, uh, only played in 11 games before finishing the year, th- this past season, playing in a full 12 games. So I think that has a lot to play, to, to do with him coming out. But I just worry that he's one of those guys who's going to get you know just fall through the cracks. He'll probably end up being a priority free agent. I just don't know that he's going to get drafted. He's really going to have to step up and, and showcase his skills. Um, you know, if he gets an invite to the combine or uh, you know in his uh, his workouts, his individual workouts. Justin Jefferson, man, smooth, smooth operator, six three, hundred ninety two pounds, LSU. Over 100, 100 receptions this past year, 111 receptions, 1,540 yards, 18 touchdowns. Uh, and Justin Jefferson, look, Jamar Chase was the Bolitnikoff Award winner and really was a standout of the national championship game. But Justin Jefferson was a model of consistency, a guy who isn't afraid to go over the middle, a guy who, who attacks the seam really well, a guy who wins at the point of attack. I'm sorry, at the line of scrimmage. Excellent hands. Tremendous catch radius, a guy who does a really good job setting up his man, um, you know, really good route runner, a guy who's going to, um, you know, the sluggos, the, you know, the, the, the post corners, you you see a lot of these, these routes from Justin Jefferson. And I I think that that ability, you know, that route running ability, I've got him slated ahead of of T Higgins. And frankly, I think he's also going to go ahead of LaVisca Chenault, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, I think Justin Jefferson is going to be a a surefire first rounder when it's all said and done. Jerry Judy out of Alabama, 6'1", 192 pounds, the junior, 2018 Bolitnikoff Award winner, uh, going over 1,300 yards that season, 14 touchdowns. This year, uh, 17, I'm sorry, 77 receptions, 1,163 yards, 10 touchdowns. I think he's the most explosive in and out of his breaks. You know, I, I think he can be a vertical threat as well. Uh, the suddenness in and out of his breaks, I think, is what's really special um, w- with him. I, I don't have him as high as CeeDee Lamb. I don't like some of the easy drops, a lack of concentration. You know, some balls that really just fell right in, just right through his hands. Just hit him right in his hands. If I'm going to take a receiver in the top five, top ten, got to be able to hang on to the football. And I thought that was one of the, the more disappointing things out of Jerry Judy this past season. But look... You know, he's not getting out of the top 15. If nothing else, the Raiders will take him uh, there in round number one. They're looking for a number one receiver. So um, I, I think his stock is going to be just fine. Uh, C.D. Lamb, just mentioned him, 6'2", 189 pounds out of Oklahoma. Back-to-back 1,000-yard uh, seasons this past season. Blitnikoff Award finalist uh, was the, you know, caught passes from Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts, two Heisman Trophy winners and a Heisman runner-up. You know, that, that's pretty incredible. And this past season, look, 21.4 yards per reception, 14 touchdowns. And he's one of those guys, another smooth operator, a guy who has a tremendous catch radius, you know, not afraid to go up and catch the football. But what I really love is his ability uh, to run after the catch, the physicality with which he plays. You know, when you watch him play, he reminds me a lot of, of Julio Jones after the catch. Obviously, he's a little bit slighter at 189 pounds, 
Um, and it, he's also not going to run 439 in the 40, but he was one of those guys, you know, the, the balance after the contact, very physical, throwing guys off. If you watch that Texas game, you know, that's really all you needed to watch uh, out of him. He's just, he's an explosive receiver on the outside, goes up and wins those 50-50 balls, has a flair for the acrobatic, can make those those athletic catches. You know, a lot of people have him slated going to Arizona as a top 10 pick to be the number one target for uh, Kyler Murray uh, replacing Larry Fitzgerald, who's already said he's coming back for one more year. I really think they need a, an offensive line, an offensive lineman in round number one to protect Kyler Murray and then go get your receiver. Uh, CD Lamb probably going to be a guy that the Raiders are going to be keeping an eye on. Um, but I think to me, he's he's my number one wideout. You know, I I think he's he's one of those guys. You know, people slept on on New Hopkins. You know, he ran a you know ran in the four or five range. Michael Thomas also ran in the four or five range. He fell to the second round, and I look at at C.D. Lamb. He can be physical. He can be very physical, much like Michael Thomas can be really physical um, down the field. And I, I see C.D. Lamb. I see those guys in in uh, in his play. Donovan Peoples Jones, six two two oh eight. Uh, out of Michigan, uh, look, the quarterback play there at Michigan hasn't always been the best. I think Shea Patterson proving at the Senior Bowl, he's not really a draft, you know, uh, a draftable prospect at this point. Um, but but DPJ, you know, the the athleticism, you know, he, he's he's very athletic after the catch. Uh, returned a, a punt for a touchdown in his career. Um, I'm sorry, that was actually Jalen Rager. I apologize, but you know he's he is a a dynamic receiver with the ball in his hands. You know a guy who works underneath routes um, very well. A guy who also works the sidelines. Uh, some people have him as a borderline first second rounder. I actually think he may end up coming off the board in round number three. But a guy who I think could end up being the number two or number three receiver for a team, which leads us to Jalen Rager, who yes he returned a kick for a touchdown. But you know you look at Jalen Rager and. You know, his year was was 2018, 72 receptions, over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns in his uh, sophomore season. This past season, had a freshman, uh, Max Duggan, throwing the football to him. You know, really struggled to to develop some of that chemistry, some of that rapport. But he's absolutely explosive on the outside. Really, you got to watch that 2018 tape to really get a good feel for who Jalen Rager is. Explosive, dynamic in space, makes people miss. But don't ever ask him to catch the ball in traffic. He's one of those guys, I think, you know, when he's, you know, he gets rerouted easily. He's one of those slight guys. You know, he's probably going to be working best out of the slot. Um, But he's one of those guys I worry about him with those contested passes. Kendrick Rogers. Texas A&M, 6'4", 204 pounds, the junior. I think he was known for some of these big catches. Yeah, and and some of the big plays, you know, that Texas A&M game, that, that seven overtime game. I think people remember his catch in the end zone. Uh, but look, he's only played in twenty three games in in, uh, in three seasons there for the Aggies, and uh, just seven hundred eighty six yards, receiving seven touchdowns. Um, you know, the medicals. You're gonna have to take a look at that. But look, the kid has a huge catch radius. He's one of those guys that teams are gonna keep an eye on. And uh, he's got the frame, you know, potentially could put some size on, be another Darren Waller type. I've been saying Chase Chase Claypool, Juwan Johnson, those are guys who I think need to put on a little bit of weight. And you could be the next Darren Waller. You may only be a third or fourth receiver 
on a team, but you could potentially be a, a Pro Bowl tight end when it's all said and done. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with Kendrick Rogers. Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama, six foot, 190 pounds, the junior, uh, 98 receptions in his career for Bama, 1,700 yards, 24 touchdowns. Can't really use that as a huge gauge, though. Obviously, when he's sharing, uh, you know, receiving core, trying to spread the ball around to, to Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, and, and Jalen Waddle, but. You know, Henry Ruggs is, is special when it comes to his vertical game. Speed Demon, a guy who's going to challenge for the 40 record at the Combine. He's one of those vertical threats. Obviously, you know, you see the success that Marquise Brown had right away with the Ravens. And I think teams are going to be looking at Henry Ruggs the same way. I think he's a little bit more polished route runner than Marquise Brown is. You know, that's one of the things that Marquise Brown was continuing to work on there at OU when he came out. And so I think he's a little bit further along. I think right now I've got him as my number three wide out. But a guy, again, he can get vertical and, you know, teams are going to like that. And it's one of those things to where, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if he runs a really fast 40 time that he could potentially sneak ahead of CD lamb and Jerry Judy because of that vertical speed. We'll see. LaVisca Chenault, 6'2", 220 pounds, the junior out of Colorado, uh, in just nine games, 86 receptions over a thousand yards and six touchdowns also had 17 carries five touchdowns uh, for the Buffaloes in 2018, uh, you know, in 11 games this past season, uh, just 56 receptions for 764 yards. Guy who it was limited with his route tree, ran a lot of underneath routes and really had to make a lot of things happen after the catch, ran a lot of drag routes, um, slants, uh, crosses, and really had to do a lot after the catch. Very physical receiver, a guy who can be very explosive. If you watch that uh, USC-Colorado game, it was Chenault versus Pittman Jr., and those guys were just going at it left and right. And you really had to know where uh, Chenault was on the field at all given times. He got a ball and took the handoff against SC and was gone. You know, just that, that, that... speed that could take the top off of a defense. He's a threat to go any uh, at any given time, but you know that that route tree is going to have to improve some of the route running ability and then it's the durability. Look, you know, he's missed a ton of games. You know, in you know, he's played 27 games in 3 seasons and you know, he's battled injuries. You know, he's you know, he's tough and he's tried to play through the injuries, but it's one of those things to where he struggled to stay healthy, and that's my biggest concern is, is if I'm going to take a receiver in round number one, i got to make sure I can keep him on the football field. Much like Tua Tonga-Vailoa, those medicals are going to be critical, and if they can show that this is not a guy, you know, I can keep him on the field, I can have him be a go-to guy for my quarterback, then I think LaVisca Chenault easily will be a first-round pick. Jeff Thomas of Miami, 5'10", 174 pounds, the junior speed demon for the Hurricanes. Um, Look, just played in 10 games this past year. Miami's really struggled at the quarterback position in recent years, and I think it's really showed with production for some of the receivers or lack thereof. Really a vertical threat, a guy who's going to get down the field. He's going to struggle to get drafted, though, just because, you know, there's just a lack of production. A lot of guys that do a lot of the same things he does. Uh, So I'm really not sure what's going to happen there for, for Jeff Jeff Thomas, he's really going to have to show up well um, in his workouts. Quez Watkins of Southern Miss, 6'2", 190 pounds, junior 
Uh, look, you know, 64 receptions, just under 1,200 yards, six touchdowns this past season, 18.4 yards per reception, uh, has a large catch radius, another guy who's going to make plays down the football field. I think he'll be a day three guy. I think he'll have a shot. He'll probably be the, the number four, number five receiver on a team, but a guy who I think, you know, has, uh, has some skills um, that can be offered at the next level. Cody White, 6'3", 215 yards, Michigan State. Uh, you know, had his biggest year this past season, 66 catches, 922 yards, six touchdowns. The thing that I worry about with Cody White is, is he's a big bodied receiver, a guy who does a really good job shielding uh, defenders from the football, good red zone option as well. But can he separate? Man, he struggled to get off Damon Arnett against Ohio State. And, and that's really one of the things that you have to worry about there with Cody White. If he can't show that he can separate, and that's really what teams are going to be looking at as they go to the game film, um, he's going to be struck. You know, he, he may or may not get drafted late on day three. And then the last receiver, Darnell Solomon uh, out of South Florida, 6'3", 207. Um, last played in 2018. Um, had 25 receptions for 200, or 440 yards for the, the USF Bulls. Dismissed by Charlie Strong prior to the bowl game. Ended up entering the, the transfer portal. Never got picked up. Um, he'll be eligible as well. Which takes us to the tight ends. We have eight tight ends that are draft eligible this season. And uh, when you talk about the tight end position in, in this year's draft, I think it's one of those that was really underwhelming. And I think some of the this talent here at the tight end position has really you know, infused uh, some more excitement into the position. Um, some much needed um, talent coming in. Uh, 16 tight ends taken uh, in 2019. TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fan taken in round number one. Irv Smith Jr., Drew Sample in round number two. And then there were four tight ends taken in round three. Josh Oliver, Jay Sternberger, Kahali Waring, and uh, Dawson Knox. You know, Foster Moreau looks to be a steal for Oakland there in round number four. Uh, so you have some tight ends that were out there that, that ultimately uh, not only made roster but are making some plays. 2018, you had 15 tight ends taken. 2017, another 14. Again, eight tight ends coming uh, out into this draft as underclassmen. And I think there are some guys when it's all said and done that we're going to be seeing uh, come off the board in the first four or five rounds. Uh, Devin Asiasi out of UCLA, 6'3", 279 pounds. The junior started his career at Michigan, transferred to UCLA, sat out the 2017 season, really you know, only played in four games for the Bruins in 2018. This past season, 12 receptions. I'm sorry, in 12 games, 44 receptions, 641 yards, four touchdowns. Show that he can be a weapon down the seam. Some surprising speed for, for a guy his size. You know, I, I was really impressed with him taking off and, and getting vertical down the field. Wasn't really expecting to see that. Um, so, you know, he's, he's one of those guys, you know, I'm kind of surprised that he came out. Um, but... You know, that's one of the things, you know, Chip Kelly, that offense, you know, they, they struggled at times. And so I look at Devin Asiasi. Is he going to be a guy? Uh, I think he'll get drafted on day three, you know, but um, you know, I, I think it'll probably be fifth round-ish when we see Devin Asiasi come off the board. He's a really good blocker, though, um, and a guy who can make some catches down the field. Might be a better pro than a, than a college player. Hunter Bryant, 6'2", 239 out of Washington. Look, the junior, 52 receptions, 825 yards, three touchdowns. Numbers that that are rival 
another guy who was a little undersized, um, a bigger you know receiver type, and that was Evan Ingram out of Ole Miss. Now Evan Ingram ran a silly four six forty at, at the tight end position, or I think it was actually a four five, um, and, and ultimately got drafted in round number one. I think Hunter Bryant he'll be a day two pick, but a, a guy who again you know he's dynamic. Uh, with the ball in his hands, he lines up all over the field. He's going to be a you know a receiving tight end. He's not going to be much of a blocker, but uh, you know that's one of the things that Evan Ingram has continued to work on there for the Giants. But you know I, I see Hunter Bryant as one of those guys. If teams are looking for receiving tight ends, and you see guys like Darren Waller and Mark a- uh, Andrews have success, um, so I, I think you're going to see him drafted earlier on uh, in the in the draft. Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech, 6'4", 251. The junior, uh, 748 yards in his in his career, eight touchdowns. But I, I look at him as a blocker. I think he's more of that blocking tight end. Um, I want to see who, you know what type of athlete he is at the combine. But I, I look at him as a as an H back. You know, one of those guys um, could be a, a second or third tight end. Really, be more more of those blockers. Could probably put him in as a fullback and be a lead blocker as well. Um, you know, he he'll probably be a priority free agent. Possibly get drafted late in round three. Uh, Cole Komet. You know, I, he I look at him as possibly the number one tight end uh, right now. I think he does a little bit of everything. He's a receiver on the outside. Show that he can separate from guys a little bit. Be a matchup nightmare in the red zone. A guy who works the middle of the field really well, up the seam, uh, runs away from linebackers, bigger than than a lot of the safeties. Six five, two hundred fifty pounds. A good inline blocker as well. Um, if anything, it's the injuries. You know, he he's played in just. Uh, you know, 23 games in his career. Uh, this past season, though, 43 receptions, 515 yards, six touchdowns. Um, he's a dynamic athlete. Really, the medicals, you know, that's the biggest thing that, that you worry about. Is he going to be able to stay healthy throughout his NFL career? Uh, can he, his body up, you know, withstand the rigors of a, of a 16-game season? Um, that's going to be the biggest concern, but I, I think he has the skill set um, that's going to warrant a uh, you know ultimately a second-round grade when it's all said and done. Kyle Markway out of South Carolina, 6'4", 250 pounds. Didn't really know a whole lot about this kid. You know, Didn't really play a whole lot until 2019. 31 catches, 349 yards, a couple of touchdowns. I need to go back and study some more film on Kyle Markway to get a better idea for him. Um, you know, there's just a lot of talent in this year's draft. You know, I, I see him possibly being a late pick, potentially a, a priority free agent as well. Uh, which leads us to Randy Moss's son, Thaddeus Moss, 6'3", 249 pounds, a junior out of LSU, really made a name for himself in the college football playoff, um, both against Oklahoma and against Clemson. Uh, 47 receptions, 570 yards, four touchdowns in his only season at LSU, uh, transfer from North Carolina State. Um, when you look at, at Thaddeus Moss, uh, another guy jumps off the athleticism. You know, you saw some of the body control, made a ridiculous catch on the sideline. Uh, you know, just extending for the football. I want to say it was in the SEC championship game where he just extended for the football out, you know, feet him, feet him bounds and just extended out, you know, ball was thrown to the outside, out of bounds, really almost getting full extension, almost parallel to the ground when he made the catch. Um, really a dynamic pass catcher, really, you know, that runs in the family there. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be, you know, he could be tight end one, tight end two. I don't think he's going to be a first rounder, but he'll be a, a second round pick. And uh, he'll be one of those pass catchers that'll end up being a quarterback's best friend. 
Albert Okwebunum, 6'5", 255 pounds there at Missouri. I think he's going to be one of the faster tight ends in this year's draft. Really going to be curious to see what, you know, what he can do. Um, each of his seasons there with the Tigers struggled with some injuries, played in nine games in each of his three years. Um, over 1,000 yards receiving in his career, 98 catches, 23 touchdowns. Really set the world on fire as a freshman with 11 touchdowns um, and then 12 touchdowns in the final two seasons there at Mizzou. Um, look, you know, Missouri puts, puts out some tight ends. You know, we, we've seen, you know, the likes of Chase Kaufman or, or Martin Rucker. And I think Albert is more, is one of the more athletic tight ends to come out of Missouri. Um, I, I look at, at O.A. Boonham right now, Albert O. You know, he still needs to improve as a, uh, as a blocker. I think, you know, the durability, you know, has to be a concern as well. Um, I think he'll run really well at the combine. Um, but I think Albert O probably going to end up being a fourth round pick when it's all said and done, just because, you know, he still has to develop as a, as a blocker, but can be a dynamic pass catcher on the outside really was a big target of, uh, of drew locks. And when he lost, uh, Albert O, uh, drew lock really struggled to find any chemistry with any of his other receivers. Colby Parkinson, Stanford, six, seven, 251 pounds. Look, you know what you're getting when you get a Stanford tight end. A guy who who can catch the football down the field, especially up the seam, uh, can be a, a red zone option and knows how to block. Austin Hooper, Levine, uh, Levine Toilolo. Um, you know, I look at Colby Parkinson. You know, he has a little bit of the route running ability of of uh, Austin Hooper. Has the size of Levine Toilolo, so it kind of falls in between there. A guy who's probably going to be a fifth round pick when it's all said and done. Uh, Forty eight grabs, five hundred eighty nine yards, just one touchdown this year. One year moved from having a 16.7 yard per catch average and seven touchdowns for the Stanford Cardinal. You know, a big reason for that, KJ Costello was healthy. Dealing with Davis Mills and, and you know, the quarterback situation there for the Stanford Cardinal, KJ Costello's opting, you know, to, to enter the transfer portal. So, you know, now was the time for Colby Parkinson to enter the draft. He's one of those those tight ends, I think is going to be a middle round guy and a guy who's going to stick around. Look, Levine Toilolo, you know, carved out a nice, nice path for him as a number two, number three tight end. Uh, I think Colby Parkinson has more athleticism than Toy Lolo, and uh, I think he's one of those guys who uh, can end up playing for a long time. The offensive tackle position. So we have eight offensive tackles that declared this past season, and when you're talking about the offensive tackle position at the next level, we had 23 drafted this last season: Jonah Williams, Andre Dillard, Titus Howard, uh, Caleb McGarry, all taken in round number one. Um, you know, Cole, Cody Ford taken in round two, Max Sharping, you know, out of Northern Illinois, the technician, not the greatest athlete, but a technician drafted in round two. Trey Pipkins looks like he's going to end up being the left tackle of the future for the Chargers. Uh, he was taken in round number three. Um, you know, Chuma Adoga got some playing time for the Jets. Bobby Evans looks like he's going to be a future starter there for the Rams. Um, at, at tackle, as is David Edwards, who's taken in round five. So there's some guys, Justin School for the for the Niners, taken in round number six. Um, you know, so there's some guys that have gotten to gotten some playing time. Like I said, 23 tackles taken in this last draft, just 19 in in, in 2018. 13 and 2017 teams are looking for tackles, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I, I think with this draft class, you look at these eight, uh, eight tackles and I think they can all come off the board in the first three days, or I mean, sorry, the first three rounds of the draft, you know, Makai Becton, Mount Becton, six, seven, 368 pounds, the junior 
you know, when I first you know saw him play, I wondered if you know, if he was going to have the foot speed. Is he going to be a guy that's going to play at guard? And I initially had him penciled in as a guard in my top ten. This guy absolutely moves so much better than I thought. You know, you watch him play the the. The athleticism, his ability to get to the second level, the kick slide is effortless. Um, you know, a lot of guys, Daniel Jeremiah, Dame Brugler, have, have compared him to uh, Bryant McKinney, and I think that's at, you know that's fair a fair comparison there. Um, Daniel Jeremiah actually has him coming off the board number four overall to the Giants. I ultimately think when I have my first uh, first draft, uh, my, my first mock draft, I'm going to have Jedrick Wills going to the Giants, but. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if uh, Mackay Becton uh, starts shooting up some draft boards. Um, athletic, but the power. He just abuses guys out there on the edge, especially in the running game. Um, you know, you, when you look at him, you think Trent Brown and some of the dominance that that guy can have as well. I think Becton's going to end up being a first-rounder when it's all said and done. Sadiq Charles out of LSU, 6'4", 295 pounds. The junior, he's a little raw, has some skills, though. I thought he should have come back for one more season. Um, but one of the things that I really saw from him, especially in the national title game, was his ability to take those ends. Even when they had him beat, when they got to the edge, he was able to turn and drive that guy down the football down the football field, when you get him away from the pocket like that, you know, and he was bending at the waist and really kind of lunging, but he really did a good job actually driving him down the field. That allowed Joe Burrow to step up, keep his eyes down the field and make plays, find his receivers, found, uh, you know, Chase and and, uh, and Marshall and Jefferson and Moss and Edwards-Alaire. Um, Sadiq Charles, to me, you know, he could be a, a third rounder, third, fourth round range. Uh, feels about right right now. Ezra Cleveland out of uh, Boise State, very athletic uh, tackle, 6'6", 310 pounds, very light on his feet. He's one of those guys, very effortless. He's a knee bender, bends very well. Um, he's a finesse guy, though. You know, He's one of those guys, he has excellent feet. He's going to stay in front of his man, but don't expect him to, you know, I saw him make a couple of nice kickout blocks in the bowl game. Um, and sustain some of his blocks, but you're not going to see him generate a whole lot of movement. And I wanted to see him get more, more, you know, more strength, you know, more core strength, more lower body strength. Um, and I think that's really what he's, what he's lacking. So I think he's going to end up falling in the draft because of that. But he's a guy who I think has high upside because of his athleticism. Austin Jackson of USC, 6'6", 310 pounds. Uh, didn't really give up a whole lot of hurries until he faced AJ Epinesa in uh, the Holiday Bowl, and uh, you know I think for Austin Jackson he's you know he he lacks some polish, but he has tremendous length, very good athlete, one of those guys who I think when you know the the hands and the feet all matched and were all in sync, um, he did a really good job. You know I I thought you know there were four or five rushes where Epinesa really ate, you know just took it to him, but. You know, there were a lot of the lot of reps where you know he beat him out, beat him to the edge with this kick slide. Took really good angles. Um, you know the hands, uh, firing those hands off into the chest of Epinesa, really beating beating him to the punch there, getting it into the the chest plate. You know I, I don't think Austin Jackson sustains his blocks very well. Um, that's one of the things when USC was really struggling to run the football, they try to run it behind Austin Jackson, wasn't sustaining blocks. So I think he needs to work on some of his strength as well, but the athleticism, a lot of people have him in the first round. I think he's going to be a second rounder. Andrew Thomas, 6'5", 320 pounds, the junior out of Georgia, 
you know, this is a guy who I think can be a punisher there in the running game. Very, you know, he, he's perfectly happy mauling you on the outside. And then, uh, you know, in pass blocking, has good feet. I think he's still developing a little bit as a pass blocker. But, you know, you see him, you know, I think there are times where he gets out in front of his, you know, out in front of his toes a little bit, but very good power in his hands. You know, the punch, that initial punch there, you know, really keeps those, um, you know, very, very tight and right into the, you know, into the chest plate, keeps him inside. And uh, then the mirror skills, I think that's one of the things that you definitely see with Andrew Thomas, very good feet. Um, to me, I think Andrew Thomas isn't going to get past the Browns. You know, possibly the Jets at 11, but I think, you know, the Browns at 10, you know, that's probably um, the furthest we'll see Andrew Thomas get. I've got Jedrick Wills going to the Giants already in my first mock draft. Look, 6'5", 320 pounds out of Alabama. Best pass blocker in this draft, I believe. Um, you know, some people are, are really starting to fall in love with with Josh Jones. But look, Jedrick Wills, you know, I, I thought, you know, he took tremendous angles. You know, I, I thought that... You know, he, the kick slide looked effortless. His ability to mirror guys, the counter moves, able to wall those off. He anchors very well against the bull rush. Um, you know, when he did get a little off balance, he was able to reset his feet and re-anchor. Um, you know, a guy who just does a really good job redirecting those pass rushers and getting him away from the pocket. And then in the ground game, he generates a lot of movement, has tremendous power uh, there at the right tackle position. And look, you know, the Giants, if they're sticking with uh, Nate Solder on the left side, Mike Remmers is going to be gone. Pencil Jedrick Wills in, and uh, I think he can end up being a Pro Bowl right tackle. Isaiah Wilson, look, he was the right tackle to Andrew Thomas's left tackle, 6'7", 340 pounds there at Georgia, and uh, one of those guys who I think continued to get better and better in his time at Georgia, long arms, another big, big offensive tackle, just like Mekhi Becton. Um, he's going to end up being a second rounder. He, he's one of those guys who I thought continued to get better uh, week in and week out, um, You know, a, a guy who's just going to punish you um, you know, showed some decent lateral quickness. You know, I think I he struggled with some speed rushers, but that's to be expected for a guy his size. Um, but you know, one of those developing prospects. I look at the second round. I think that's probably where Wilson's gonna come off the board. And then Tristan Wirfs. I think this is a guy who's, who could be a perfect fit there for the Jets. Six five, three hundred twenty two pounds out of Iowa. Uh, you know, a, a guy who. The power obviously jumps off the film, uh, set the record there for the power clean, broke Brandon Sheriff's record. Brandon Sheriff ended up moving to guard and, and was a Pro Bowl guard for the Redskins this past season. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Tristan Wurst ends up kicking inside, uh, but he has too much athleticism to me. I, I think at the end of the day, he's going to be, he can play left tackle in a pinch, filled in for Alaric Jackson, but I think the right side is ultimately going to be where Tristan Wurst is going to live. Has really good feet. The power step to the inside to wall off an inside rush. Um, good mirror skills as well. Very physical as a as a, a run blocker. I think that's really where he's, he's a little bit better. I think when you talk about, you know, uh, Andrew Thomas, probably the best run blocker of the th- of the trio. Uh, Jedrick Wills, the better pass blocker. I think Tristan Wirfs has a little, you know, probably, you know, the the best combo of the of the two. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they all shake out. It could be Wills, Wirfs, Thomas, Wills, Thomas, Wirfs. I just think that Jedrick Wills, you know, especially blocking for Daniel Jones and his physicality in the running game, blocking for Saquon Barkley. That's a match made in heaven for Dave Gettleman there at number four overall. 
only two guards taken in the, uh, I'm sorry, um, underclassmen declaring. When you look at the guard position, just 12 guards taken in this last draft. We did have Chris Lindstrom taken in the first round. Three guards taken in the third. Michael Dieter, Nate Davis, and Connor McGovern. You know, Nate Davis really you know playing well there for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, year before that, just nine guards taken in 2018. That was the year of Quentin Nelson. Uh, you know, Isaiah Wynn was taken, Will Hernandez, uh, Braden Smith, all guys that got uh, quite a bit of playing time. And and you look at this year's class uh, of underclassmen, you have Solomon Kinley, the big physical Georgia Bulldog, 6'4", 335-pound junior, uh, a mauler in the middle, a guy who's going to get physical, road grader type, um, you know, struggles with speed, especially on the inside, those interior pass rushers um, he's going to struggle with. And then you have Natane Muti uh, out of Fresno State. Now, Muti, he's 6'3", 307, the junior. He's another one of those mauler types. If you're looking, trying to find the next Quentin Nelson, I mean, it's really hard to find the next Quentin Nelson, but a Quentin Nelson type, a guy who's going to be physical, who's going to maul, who's going to punish you on the inside, it's Muti. The problem is, is Muti in every single one of his years there with the Bulldogs, his season was cut short due to injury. And can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? What are the medicals going to check out for him? He he got injured uh, at the beginning of the season, had to had to sit out the the entire season. You know, battled some ACL, you know, an ACL tear. Um, you know, I really worry about him from a durability standpoint. But when he's on the field, he's one of the better tacticians in this year's draft. I'm sorry, technicians. And uh, you know, he's someone who could end up being a, a day two pick. I just worry about the durability. Centers, six centers declared. So we have five that were taken in all of 2019. Gary Bradbury, uh, Elton Jenkins, Eric McCoy, you know, guys that all started, uh, Lamont uh, uh, Gilliard and, and Javon Patterson also taken um, late on, on day three. A year before that, though, we had 11 centers taken in, in the draft. And when you look at the draft class with this, obviously, um, you know, it, it kind of took a little bit of a hit when Creed Humphrey decided that he was going to come back to OU. But, you know, I, I think these six centers could be among the top ranked centers in this year's draft. I think when you're talking about the, the seniors, um, you know, Nick Harris of Washington, Daryl Williams of Mississippi State, Jake Hansen of Oregon are really your top three senior centers. So and when you sprinkle these these other guys in, uh, Tyler Beatis of Wisconsin, 6'3", 316-pound junior, uh, started, I believe, every game at Wisconsin since his, his freshman year. Been that constant there for Jonathan Taylor. You, you know, three offensive linemen were drafted in this last year's draft, and they had to bring in... Three new starters. Cole Van Landen was kind of a spot starter there at left tackle. Tyler Beatis still was able to help Jonathan Taylor get to that that, that 2,000 yard mark. You know, a very intelligent player. I think he's limited athletically. Although you do see him get out and pull, does a really good job staying under control, locating the linebacker, the or the DB at the second level. Um, struggles a little bit with some speed. Um, but I think excellent hand placement anchors pretty well. You know, I think Beatis, you know, he he has a good chance to be the number one center taken. I think Lloyd Cushenberry of LSU is going to push him, 6'4", 315 pounds. Shows really good length at the senior bowl. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, the, the defensive tackle out of uh, South Carolina, was dominant. Nobody could really stop him, with the exception of, of Lloyd Cushenberry. He, he was able to stifle him on one rep. 
And, uh, you know, I think that's really opened some eyes, you know, his ability to, to really uh, drop his weight, sink his hips and, and get into his block. Um, you know, uses those long arms effectively, gets into the chest plate, um, generates some movement in the running game. I think Lloyd Cushenberry, Tyler Biotis really battling for that number one center. Matt Hennessy out of Temple, 6'4", 295, probably the best pass-blocking center of the bunch. Um, pro football focus, I, I think as a, I want to say as a sophomore, um, pressures on just, I, I think it was 0.7% of his um, his pass rush snaps, very, you know, very good athlete, light on his feet. Um, he'll be one of those centers, you know, probably the number three center, you know, and, and off the board. I look at Cesar Ruiz, um, a, a guy who is another really good athlete there from Michigan, 6'4", 320 pounds. He could be the third or fourth center off the board, probably a, a third round pick when it's all said and done. Uh, Keith Ishmael, uh, San Jose, or I'm sorry, San Diego State, 6'3", 310 pounds, can play center. I think he can probably even kick over to guard a little bit. Um, you know, I thought he, you know, he was a mainstay on on that line for the Aztecs. He's somebody who I think is going to be a, a mid day three pick. And then Tristan Colon Castillo, 6'4", 315 pounds out of Missouri. I think he can play both guard and and center. Um, you know, good length. Out of him, I think he'll end up being a day three pick. I do think he's going to get drafted because of that versatility. Uh, Cushenberry, Hennessy, and Ishmael uh, all have their degrees, decided that they were going to go ahead and enter the draft. I think these six underclassmen, it's a really good you know center uh, underclassmen draft. I think all, all of these guys could very well end up getting drafted when it's all said and done. So that's the offensive side of the football there with our underclassmen. We're at about a an hour and a half in uh, to this podcast. We're going to go ahead. I'm going to try to get this, all of this cranked out in two hours. If not, we'll go ahead and continue the rest of our underclassmen into the next podcast. I hate to do that, but you know we're running out of time, so I want to make sure that uh, we cut things off at the two-hour mark. I could talk about this for hours and hours, but I want to make sure that uh, you know we, we have uh, no more than two hours uh, of content here. Um, on any given podcast. So the defensive end position, we have 10 defensive ends that were taken. I'm sorry, that that declared for the draft. When we look at the defensive end position, we had 30 defensive ends taken uh, in 2019. Uh, The year before that, we had 22 taken. Uh, We look at the draft class this year, and I think there's there's a mix of of seniors and and juniors, Um, but I've got my top five are, are all juniors. And then after that, we have a bunch of seniors, although I, I think Marlon Davidson really making a push to to crack into that top five, push for a potential uh, first-round selection. So Olawoli Batiku earned his degree at USC, transferred to Illinois as a grad transfer, 6'3", 250 pounds, battled injuries at USC, didn't really see much time on the football field, sat out 2018, went to Illinois in 2019, and, and really... You know, the biggest thing was he was leading the nation in sacks, had six or seven sacks to start out the year, and then struggled with his production as he got into Big Ten play. Uh, nine sacks on the year, 13 tackles for loss. Um, you know, explosive guy, struggles to get off blocks a little bit. You know, he's one of those tweeners, 6'3", 250, probably going to be asked to play linebacker, was a linebacker at USC. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where where he lines up. I think he's a day three guy all day long. Uh, Nick Coe out of Auburn, 6'5", 291 pounds, really looks like a, 
um, a five technique at the next level. Um, really had a breakout 2018, 13 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. Uh, just couldn't really find his way onto the field in, in 2019. Battled some injuries as well. Uh, just three tackles for loss, no sacks in 2019. I, I think Nick Coe, it would have behooved him to come back for one more year. Um, you know, I thought that he really was outshined by, um, by Davidson, by Brown. And, uh, you know, I, the fact that he wasn't able to beat out big cap Bryant uh, for the other defensive end position, I think says a lot about, uh, you know, where he was with that program. I think he's really going to have to work hard uh, to be more than a late day three pick at this point. AJ Epinesa out of Iowa. Look, 6'5", 280 pounds, one of the top uh, rated uh, prospects coming out of, uh, coming into Hawaii, into Iowa. Um, as a freshman, five and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. 2018, he was the guy that gave up, that uh, Max Sharpie gave up his only sack to. Um, really got a good explosive burst off the edge. 16 and a half tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks in, in 2018. And he was the Big Ten leader in sacks, even though, what's crazy is, even though he wasn't even the starter, he sat behind Anthony Nelson and Parker Hesse and still was able to put up double-digit sacks. Um, and then you look at this past season, off to a low start, or slow start, but really when the bright lights were on, he really delivered. Uh, 14 tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks, you know, and, and he has nine forced fumbles in his career. You know, he showed it off against USC, beat Austin Jackson like a drum coming off the edge. And uh, what he does is, as he's turning that corner and he's getting to the quarterback, he's taking that outside arm and chopping down on the quarterback's arm before he's able to release the football. Um, you know, really a knack for that. He's not your explosive rush end. That's Chase Young. But what you are going to see out of him, you're going to see tremendous length. You're going to see tremendous power and tremendous technique. Uses his hands very well. Um, does a really good job flattening out as well. You know, he's not one of those guys who's going to take a, a long time to turn the corner. He's going to flatten out and get to the quarterback in a hurry. Uh, A.J. Epinesa, to me, you know, he's, he's not getting past the top half of the first round. Um, you know, may slide a little bit depending on what he runs at the combine. But look, AJ Epines is a ball player, man. He's going to be one of those guys that uh, teams are going to be looking for. Uh, Jonathan Garvin, Florida. I'm sorry, um, Miami. Uh, 6'4", 250 pounds. The junior, uh, 29 tackles for loss, 13 sacks in his three years there with the Hurricanes. Um, you know. One of those guys, I thought he had some some athleticism coming off the edge. I think he's a day three guy, probably a late day three guy, but he's one of those guys. If he can show that he's, a, you know, that the athleticism in his workouts, he can get drafted. Uh, but I think it's going to be tough for him at the end of the day to be a, you know, to solidify himself as a draft pick. He'll be one of those guys, uh, you know, kind of biting his nails a little bit as as he goes through day three on the draft. Yeter Gross Mato, 6'5", 264 out of Penn State. Look, the junior really broke out in, in 2018 as a sophomore. 20 tackles for loss, 8 sacks. This past season, another 14 and a half tackles for loss and 9 sacks. So, you know, he's one of those guys who I, I think has a really good burst coming off the edge. Tremendous athleticism, tremendous length. He uses those long arms to his advantage. Really beats that offensive lineman to the to the punch, if you will, with with the, the, the extension of his arms. Allows him to, to keep off of those, the, the tackle, and, or keep the tackles you know, arms off of him and then able to rip through and turn the corner and, and flatten out to the quarterback. Um, I, I thought that he was in the backfield a, a ton and really could have had more sacks. Um, 
You know, he's one of those guys who I think is still developing as a pass rusher, which is scary considering he does have uh, 18 and a half in his career for the Nittany Lions. Guy to keep an eye out for. He'll be a first rounder for sure. Uh, Elorm Lumor out of Rutgers. I think I'm pronouncing that right. 6'3", 248. I think he'll end up being a linebacker uh, when when teams are looking at him. Uh, the junior, 12 and a half tackles for loss, 7 and a half sacks. He's the guy who earned his degree decided he wanted to go ahead and enter the draft. And, uh, you know, he's an athlete. He's a project. I think he'll end up being a free agent. Teams may may stash him away on their uh, on their practice squad as a developmental guy, but I think that's probably the, the ceiling for him right now. James Lynch, Baylor, 6'4", 295 pounds. Man, 33 tackles for loss in his career, 20 sacks. 19 and a half tackles for loss and 13 and a half sacks in 2019. This is a guy, I mean, it's 6'4", 200, uh, 290, 295 pounds. He bends around the edge really well for his size. I mean, it's it's uncanny um, what he's able to do. I mean, you don't really expect a guy his size to bend like that. Um, I thought he was one of those guys, you know, in, in Big 12 play, Teams really struggled to block him. I thought Georgia kind of figured both him and Bravion Roy out a little bit, which is a bit concerning. But when you talk about James Lynch, one of the thing, the names that the name that really popped to my mind though was JJ Watt. No, I'm not really, I'm not saying he's the next JJ Watt or anything like that. But you know, there are some similarities in their ability to bend at that size. Now JJ Watt, 6'5", 288 pounds. You look at him, similar body type. And, uh, you know, what I want to see, you know, because you see J.J. Watt doing a lot of those drills and, and being able to bend and, tr- and turn the corner. Um, what I'd really love to see is, you know, and J.J. Watt just pulling up his stats just to give you an idea of where he was at at Wisconsin. But uh, let's see. So finished with... 35 and a half, I'm sorry, 36 and a half tackles for loss and 11 and a half sacks in, in those two seasons, uh, with, with Wisconsin. Um, and then when he went to the combine, this is going to be the big, the big question for, for Lynch, you know, JJ had 34 inch arms, 11 and an eighth inch hand, hand size, ran a four, eight, four forty with a 1.64, 10 yard split. Uh, 6.883 cone drill, so insane ability to bend. 37-inch vertical leap, 34 reps in the bench press. James Lynch is going to have his work cut out for him, but if he can put up numbers that are anywhere close to that, you know, you're talking about a guy who can end up, you know, rising up draft boards really quickly. I've got some, you know, my my dogs are are playing in the background, so uh, gotta keep the peace back here for for a moment. Let's see. Houston Miller out of Texas Tech, 6'4", 275, earned his degree. You know, this is a guy played in just three games for the Red Raiders, didn't see much time out on the field, You know, decided that he'd go ahead and throw his name into the hat and work out for, for the draft. Curtis Weaver, Boise State, 6'3", 265, 47 and a half tackles for loss, 34 sacks. You know, had... Uh, was just a half a sack shy in a sophomore season of having three straight years of double-digit sacks. The thing you know, with Weaver is, is he a, a tremendous athlete? That's one of the things that you worry about. I look at him and I see a similar body type to, uh, to Derek Barnett. 
I don't know that he necessarily has the power that Derek Barnett had with his hands. I thought Derek Barnett did a better job against the run, but I t- broke that down a little bit in a, a previous uh, podcast. And, and I think that there are some similarities there between Curtis Weaver and Derek Barnett. I think Curtis Weaver ultimately is going to be the, in the top 20, top 25 picks, um, you know, and, and is one of the better pass rushers in this draft. Which leads us to the game wrecker, Chase Young. 6'5", 265, out of Ohio State, the junior. Look, you know, 40 and a half tackles for loss, 30 and a half sacks. Uh, this past season led the, the nation in sacks with 16 and a half, 21 tackles for loss, fourth in the Heisman. You know, that's the highest that we've had from a defensive player in quite some time. Uh, and look, Chase Young, just a special player. I thought, you know, he has you know, better explosiveness than Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa before him. Um, the, the physicality is hands. I mean, he's one of those guys who's going to punish some offensive linemen. Um, and then he has the, the speed to come off the edge and, and just wreak havoc in opposing backfields. If you try to overset against him, he's going to be too smart for that. He's going to go ahead and take that inside rush, cross the face of the, of the offensive lineman and shoot into the backfield and, and take, try to take the head off of your quarterback. You know, a, a guy who had seven tackles for loss this year, um, I'm sorry, seven forced fumbles this year, uh, nine in his career, knows how to what to do when he arrives at the at the football. Also had eight pass breakups in his career as well. You know, a guy who's looking for those strip sacks. He's not just looking to to bring you down and take the quarterback down. He's looking to make a big play, a game changing performance. And when you're talking about guys that you're going to take in the top five, you have to know where they are at all times. And Chase Young. Anybody that played against him had to know where he was on the field at all times. Chase Young, to me, no-brainer for Washington. At number two, Ron Rivera gets a pass rusher that he can team with Ryan Kerrigan and uh, and Montez Sweat. Really going to make things a lot of fun there for for the Redskins. If I'm uh, Daniel Jones or Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz, I, I get a little nervous you know, thinking about the prospects of having to deal with that line, especially with Ron Rivera coming in as head coach. Defensive tackles. We only had three defensive tackles declare uh, for the draft. When we look at defensive tackles, we had 20 defensive tackles drafted in uh, in 2019. When we look at this year's draft class, obviously you have Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw there at the top. Neville Gallimore, another guy who is is really showing uh, showing up well. At uh, at the Senior Bowl, a guy who is just really explosive. Let him be a guy who can, you know, in a, in a you know, he played in an odd man set. You know, if he could end up lining in uh, in an even man set, you're going to see a guy who uses some of that that that, that speed coming off the ball, uh, getting into backfields in a hurry. But uh, you look at these three guys that are coming out, and they're guys that are all going to be in my top ten. And uh, you know, the first one is Ross Blacklock. 6'4", 305, you know, a guy who, you know, 15 tackles for loss, 15 and a half tackles for loss in uh, just two seasons there at, at TCU, uh, five and a half sacks as well. This is a twitched up dude, you know, a, a guy who has really good athleticism. Um, it bends really well. That's what's really crazy. He's going to get off, off blocks in a hurry. He's going to shoot gaps. And, you know, if the quarterback's flushed out of the pocket, he's going to be able to put his foot in the ground. And uh, the ankle flexion, you're going to see a guy who can plant and, and turn and move. He bends really well. I honestly think that Ross Blacklock's going to be a second-round pick. And he's going to be one of those guys that we're talking about as, as one of those sleepers when it's all said and done. Jordan Elliott out of Missouri, 
315 pounds. I think Pro Football Focus has him rated as one of the top defensive tackles. Um, you know, he was known for his three sack game as a sophomore, um, eight and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks this past season. A guy who has tremendous length. I think another guy who has really good quickness off the ball, the speed to power is something that you're going to see. I think, you know, you're, you're looking at a, a consistency more than anything else out of Jordan Elliott. And then Justin Matabuke, 6'4, 304, Texas AM. Very physical at the point of attack. A guy who has tremendous upper body strength. A guy who's going to try to bench press you. Um, I don't think he's as quick. Um, but a guy, again, that physicality at the point of attack. He's going to you know, muscle you. He's going to throw you off. You know, he's going to get off blocks. 24 and a half tackles for loss. 11 sacks. Um, you know, a guy who has short area burst to get to the quarterback as well. Um, I, when I look at Matabuke, you know, I, I think of disruptiveness. I think he's going to be a top five tackle in this year's draft. Um, you know, not quite on the level of Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw, um, but I, I think you know he's going to battle Blacklock, Gallimore um, as those next tackles off the board. So we move off the interior of that defensive line. We're going to take a look at linebackers and uh, outside linebackers. We have just six. Entering the draft, uh, Marcus Brown at Missouri Western, 6'1", 220 pounds. Um, let's see, in uh, 2018 for Missouri Western, those were the only numbers that I could find for him. Um, it was through 2018, uh, total of 30, let's see, 34 tackles um, and one and a half sacks. Don't really know a whole lot about him. He looks like an undersized outside linebacker. Um, Kalevin Chason. Uh, 6'4", 250 pounds out of LSU. Look, you know, 13 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks this past season go along with 60 tackles. A guy who is really explosive off the edge. You know, he, he has generates a lot more power coming off the edge than, than you know, I really was expecting. Um, a guy who uses his, his length, gets underneath the pad level, and is going to generate some power to drive his man back into the backfield. Um, also bends really well coming off the edge. One of the issues that he has is he loses contain a lot because he's one of those guys who is a one-track you know, mind getting after the quarterback when he's rushing. Showed an ability to drop a little bit in the college football playoff, which I thought was a, a breath of fresh air there for him. Um, so I think things are going to be interesting when we're talking about uh, Chase on. I think he has the ability to be a first-rounder. Just not really sure exactly where he's going to go. Uh, Terrell Lewis out of Alabama, 6'5", 252 pounds. Uh, you know, Lewis already earned his degree. And, uh, you know, in two seasons there at Alabama, 13 and a half tackles for loss, you know, really, you know, 11 and a half of those this past season, six sacks uh, in 2019. And he was one of those pass rushers that everyone was expecting to see on the field for Bama in 2018, ended up having a season ending injury, came back in 2019. And uh, he's still one of those raw pass rushers. Hasn't really figured everything out. Doesn't have an array of pass rush moves. Just the guy who's going to get explosive. Going to try to find ways to get to the passer, whether it's coming off the edge or taking an inside rush. You're not going to see a ton of uh, you know finesse moves to him. Um, you know he's one of those guys. Not a ton of counter moves. But, uh, you know, just that athleticism and, and his ability to get to the quarterback. I think he's going to be a situational pass rusher, continue to develop. He's a really good athlete, a guy who can make plays in the backfield. I think because of his athleticism and that potential, he'll be a second-round pick. Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma, 6'2", 234. 
the junior, one of the more athletic linebackers you're going to find in this year's draft. You look at this guy, and he's he looks like he's chiseled out of rock. And uh, a guy who just has that sideline-to-sideline side speed, had uh, 155 tackles in uh, 2018, had over 30 tackles, I want to say, against Army um, in their overtime win. 12 and a half tackles for loss and four and a half sacks that season. Came back with another, you know, 100 tackle performance uh, in 2019. 17 tackles for loss, four sacks, uh, another four pass breakups. To me, he struggled with gap integrity against the run when he was lined up on the uh, at inside linebacker. I think really for him, you put uh, Kenneth Murray on the outside. That's really when he shined, when he was allowed to just fly around to the football and make plays. Uh, that was when Caleb Kelly came back and played on the inside. That allowed you know, free Ke- uh, Kenneth Murray up to, to really be that athlete out on the outside. And if you allow him to just run and make plays, he's going to make plays all over the field. If he's not actually asked to, you know, the, the gap assignments, that's really what seemed to struggle, especially you know, in his first two seasons. You didn't see it quite as much with, with Alex Grinch's defense, but still something that I think he was out of position a lot, you know, in those running plays. And that's where Oklahoma got gouged quite a bit up the middle. You allow him to play him in space. You allow him to run around to the football. And I, I think you're going to have something there. I think Kenneth Murray has the athleticism and the playmaking ability to be a first rounder, but only if you end up playing him on the outside. Which leads us to this year's Swiss Army Knife. Isaiah Simmons looks like, you know, I mean, he, he started as a safety. Uh, he's 6'4", 230 pounds now, um, has played safety, has played uh, the nickel. He's played linebacker, both inside and outside. He's been a rush defensive end. He plays everywhere. Um, you know, 104 tackles this past season, 16 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, three interceptions, eight pass breakups, two forced fumbles, and a partridge in a pear tree. I mean, this guy... I mean, it, it, just a freak of nature. You know, he, he has the, the safety ability. He was playing deep safety, showed excellent range coming over the top, um, you know, very decisive, you know, gets a good break on the football, you know, easy interceptions getting over to the sideline. Uh, I thought what was really impressive was he covered Shai Smith, the slot receiver there for South Carolina, got underneath that route, um, you know, recovered really well, leaping to to knock the football away. Um, I, I think Isaiah Simmons, um, you know, he can rush the passer. Times his blitzes really well. I think that's one of the things that that you know, as a linebacker, you know, some of those delayed blitzes knows when to take off. You know, if you've got a you know a lineman who's got to end up blocking, you know, one of two guys, he's going to make sure that that tackle picks up the other defender before he takes off and, and gets into the backfield. Um, after the quarterback, but he's also adept against the run. Does a good job setting the edge, forcing the run plays back to the inside, but he's so explosive coming off the edge. Bends really well coming around the corner, the ankle flexion, you know, you really see him, the flexibility, you know, the core strength as well, uh, fighting through the blocks, coming uh, downhill and, and making plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's a special talent, top 10 guy. You know, I, I think Carolina could use him. I think Jacksonville can use him as well. Um, he's not getting out of the top ten. Here's one one you know one place that you could potentially consider him. How about the Giants? Giants need a playmaker on the back end of their defense. Isaiah Simmons could end up being that guy. Josh Uche out of Michigan, 6'2, 250 pounds. Look, you know, 10 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. 
Um, had seven, at least seven sacks in each of the last two seasons. A pass rusher extraordinaire coming off the edge. Um, you know, but Senior Bowl, I, I haven't gotten to watch too much of the film, but what I was reading online, I want to say it was DraftWire, was really talking and hyping up, might have been Draft Network, really hyping up uh, Josh Uche um, and his ability to cover, showing off really good athleticism. Really want to see him work at the combine, want to see some of that. He wasn't asked to do that a ton at Michigan, but he's a tremendous athlete, can play in space, and I think that's just going to improve his draft stock, end up being a second rounder when it's all said and done, um, especially if he's a guy that can get after the quarterback. Inside backers just have four inside linebackers taken. Uh, Willie Gay out of Mississippi State, 6'2", 240 pounds, the junior uh, played in just five games this past season. He was one of those guys who got suspended. Um, I think there was a tutor in a chemistry class that uh, uh, ultimately ended up taking you know, lab assignments and taking tests for them. And uh, so he only played in five games, um, but he was a difference maker. You saw that in the bowl game. He had 11 tackles in that bowl game, a guy who plays sideline to sideline, um, the excellent range, really an intelligent player, um, you know, but obviously you're going to have to question things with his, um, you know, with the character a little bit. Um, I think that's definitely a red flag. Uh, I'm going to have to talk, you know, talk to the quarter, you know, to coaches a little bit. Maybe a day three pick, um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get drafted. Two LSU Tiger inside linebackers, Jacob Phillips and Patrick Queen. Now, Jacob Phillips was the guy that everyone was talking about, 6'4", 233 pounds, over 100 tackles, led the the Tigers in tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss. And he's one of those guys I think plays really well laterally. You know, you talk about a lot of guys that can get downhill and are those downhill thumpers, but guys that struggle moving laterally. I think uh, Phillips is a more natural athlete than, than a lot of inside linebackers. A guy who can play uh, sideline to sideline, can slide over from hole to hole uh, to plug up uh, the run plays. I think he's someone who um, is going to be drafted in the first three rounds you know, based on his athleticism. And then there's Patrick Queen. 6'1", 227 pounds. Again, we talked about uh, Jacob Phillips, but it was Patrick Queen. Every time he put on game film against, you know, of LSU games, every time I was watching, he was the guy that was making plays. He was the one that was coming over, you know, sideline to sideline range, guy that was being disruptive in the backfield, had 12 tackles for loss, also had 85 tackles on the year, picked off a pass, couple of pass breakups, disruptive behind the line of scrimmage, a guy who, you know, playing over the top as well, um, you know, he's one of those linebackers who I think is going to continue to play hard. You know, he was the, he's really, you know, kind of building off of the MVP defensive MVP performance in the national championship game. You know, a guy who I think is ascending. I don't know that he's going to be a first rounder, you know, there's a possibility, but I, I think he'll definitely be an, an early second round pick when it's all said and done, um, you know, at the, you know, the, the latest. Uh, David Woodward out of Utah State, 6'2", 230 pounds. Um, you know, played in seven games as a freshman, seven games as a junior. Um, you know, battled some injuries there. Um, but when he was healthy, guy played all over the field. I thought a little stiff in coverage at times, um, but he did have, uh, let's see, 12 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks to go with 134 tackles uh, in his sophomore season. Um Tremendous uh, instincts. A guy who was a volume tackler in uh, just seven games had 93 tackles, uh, five going for loss, two sacks. 
a couple of pass breakups, four forced fumbles, you know, guy who has a knack for, for going after the football, making plays. Um, I, I look at David Woodward. He's one of those uh, inside backers who, you know, I, I think he'll probably be in the fourth to fifth round range, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, you think of Nick Vigil, uh, you know, another uh, Utah State Aggie, you know, uh, he's one of those guys who's still in the league and still making plays. Um, and, you know, he ended up coming off the board right around in, the, in that range. And I could absolutely see David Woodward being the same type of player. So I think. We're looking at time. We're pretty much up on time. So uh, for those of you who are tuning in, hoping to to listen to the secondary picks, we're going to have to push that to next week. So that'll actually be kind of the teaser there, something to look forward to. We're obviously going to also be talking about uh, all of our postseason games, the bowl games and the all-star games. We'll start off with uh, the secondary. We'll talk about the corners. We have 15 corners. And then at the safety position, another nine safeties on top of that. So we've got 24 players that we're going to cover before we jump into uh, the postseason games after that. But uh, you know, we got through the majority of the 115 players uh, you know, in the two hours. Uh, in, in fact, let's see. You know, that's 93 of the, of the 115 players that we've, we were able to get through in the two hours. That's not too bad in terms of the overall time frame. Um, so you'll have to tune in next week to talk about uh, you know, Jeffrey Okuda, Christian Fulton, Grant Delpit, uh, and, and Xavier McKinney and, and company. I think it's a really deep draft at the corner position, and I think there are some safeties that we're going to talk about as well. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the, to the draft process. This is really where things get ramped up, and I'm really excited for it. I hope you are as well. It's time to really get get you ready for the draft. Uh, we're under 100 days from the draft in April in Las Vegas, Nevada, right in front of those Bellagio fountains. I mean, what's more iconic than those fountains there in Vegas? I mean, you think about you know Ocean's Eleven, that last scene when they're all standing there in front of those those fountains. I mean, that's one of the things that really comes to mind when I think of those fountains. Um, so it's going to be fun. You know, I think over these next couple next couple of months, we'll we'll talk about some of my mock drafts. We're going to get into the combine, what to expect leading into the combine, who has the most to gain, the most to lose. You know, some of the guys under the radar, guys to keep an eye out for. After the combine, we'll start breaking down positions. We're going to take a look at free agency, what the best the top needs are going to be, who are going to be the best fits for the different programs, and then uh, all of that will lead up to April 23rd. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I know we're towards the end of January already. Hopefully everyone enjoyed Martin Luther King Day. I know I did. And uh, man, we're almost into February. It's hard to believe uh, it's it's almost February. But uh, you know, 2020 already off to a, to a fast start. But I hope everyone enjoys their weekend. We'll do this all again next week. Come back, shall you? Uh, shall we? I, I, I guess is how we should say it. Um, but anyway, for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft pod, podcast, getting you ready for the NFL draft. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed bringing this to you. We'll do it all again next week. Until then, take care, everyone. And I am out of here.